The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, in prison until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as, many of you, for as many of you as were baptized in Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This is God's word. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you for today. What a blessing it is to be alive another day. I pray for every um, person that is here. I pray for uh, peace and um, just a calmness in their hearts and their minds right now. I pray that um, as Randall speaks, that your Holy Spirit speaks through him. And if there is um, a word or a confirmation or a promise that we need to hear in today's scripture um, and the teaching today, I pray that our minds and our hearts um, are attuned to that. So we thank you for this time that we can be brothers and sisters here um, under Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Byron. All right. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good? All right. Well, my name is Randall. If this is your first time here, welcome. And um, yeah, we're glad you're here this morning. Uh, we're in our current series right now called Who We Are. And this is covering who we are as a church. Like, what do we believe as, as a church? And the first week, we talked about the gospel. We are a gospel-centered church, so we talked about Jesus, and we don't get away from that, right? So we continue in the gospel. And last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit. And we're a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God uh, working through believers, through the, the Spirit of God. And uh, today, what we're going to be talking about is this idea of family, the family of God. Now, if you're just joining us, you can go over some of those uh, other messages online on our podcast. If you've uh, been with us but you, you've missed a couple, go, go online and, and check those out as well because um, this text today and all the texts that we've been talking about are very important. We've been going through the book of Galatians specifically and we're studying through this book and our text today is Galatians 3, uh, 23 through 29. And what this is is about relationships, relationships. Now, in our world right now, relationships are constantly imploding, exploding, going sideways, aren't they? Uh, I have three kids, and one thing that I've noticed as, you know, they've grown up is naturally uh, it gets a little chaotic with relationships because one moment they're hugging each other, the next minute they've got each other in a headlock. And that just happens within relationships, but it's not just kids, it's also with adults. Um, and what we know is that there are no perfect relationships. Uh, even in the best relationships, there's still misunderstandings, insensitive comments, and unwillingness to listen or, or learn or even relate. And currently we're seeing the fallout of this even personally or in our country, uh, whether it be positions, causes, allegiances. There's a huge divide right now in our society. And social media isn't helping, is it? That's why I believe we need right now desperately what it looks like to be a gospel-centered uh, church, family, and also just have a gospel-centered view of how we approach relationships. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Because... When things are going right, 
in relationships, that's usually because of the grace of God. Because of the grace of God. There's some level of humility or kindness or any of these things that help the relationship to work that I believe is, is divine. It's from God. Recently, Nancy Hill from the Harvard School of Education wrote an article entitled, Can We Have Martin Luther King's Dream Without His Faith? Here's what she writes. Many people who have no belief in God at all are passionately committed to racial justice. So, do we need Christianity today to realize Martin Luther King's dream? Or is it just a matter of historical interest that he was so shaped by his Christian faith? She continues, it's undeniable that the reverend tied his own vision and purpose for fighting for equity and justice, not just for the poor and African Americans, but for the oppressed throughout the world, to his understanding of the true meaning of Christianity and the ministry of Jesus Christ. In his April 4th, 1967 speech, Beyond Vietnam, King states, we are called to speak for the weak, for the voiceless, for the victims of our nation. Why was Dr. King so passionate about the dignity of every human life? Jesus. Professor Hill continues, Jesus gave King the model as he seeks to meet each individual where they are to understand the content of the heart and bring forgiveness and reconciliation. Jesus gave King his model for nonviolent resistance, love of enemies, and the ultimate victory of love over hatred. She ends her article with this. Martin Luther King and true Christianity charge us to embrace those who are different from us in ways that we are not inclined to do so under normal circumstances. Is there a worldview that offers a better foundation for this than the model of Jesus? who helps us trust that we can embrace those who persecute us and through humility and love change the hearts of people. Perhaps, but I haven't seen it. Today, if we are honest, our relationships go sideways because of our beliefs, our worldview, our practices, and the implications of our worldview and how they play out. So what would it look like to have a worldview that is in alignment with the gospel? It is in alignment with Jesus. I'll tell you this first, it's, it's gonna look strange. You look very different from the people around you. They won't be able to peg you and say, well, this is where I think they fit. Because Jesus is radical in that way. And so, when we base our view of humanity first on God, we have to start with creation. And it starts all the way back in Genesis, and what we see from creation is that we were created by God. Every one of us. We were created by God in what is called the Imago Dei, the image of God. So we all bear the image of God. We've all been created in his image, so that means that we all have intrinsic value and worth. Again, this didn't originate with Martin Luther King, but he knew this from Scripture. See, why I identify with this, this idea of that we are all made in the image of God, that we all have value. But also currently, we live in a society that is extremely humanistic and secular, so what are the implications of that idea? 
You see, because what we're saying here is that Martin Luther King, he played out the implications of what the gospel meant in his life. He played out the implications of what scripture said. But what is the secular society that we live in? What are the implications of that? Well, one thing that Nietzsche said was that men are not all equal. We're not all equal. And how does that play out? Well, you put that into the hands of someone like Hitler, and it plays out in that he believes that he's better than other people around him. Better, so much better, that he's able to stomp a whole people out. You see, that's implications. That's the Holocaust. We need the Imago Dei. All of us. We need to know this, that every person that you lock eyes with has intrinsic value and worth because of God. There is creation. And so what about specifically about the family of God? When we're talking about the family of God, well, we find out from Scripture these things. First, that the family of God is inclusive. It is inclusive. All people are invited to the table. Cultures, genders, ages, economic status. You see, this is not the caste system where some people are higher and some people are lower and you, you, you might be in or out. It's all people are invited to the table. Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, the Christ whose gospel we preach is no unapproachable philosopher the ignorant and the illiterate may find in him their best friend. Do you believe that? That that's the Jesus we serve? See, Jesus is inclusive. He calls all people to his table and all people to be a part of his family. But also, this is the hard part, it's very narrow. It's narrow. Jesus says it is a narrow road to him. He says, this is hard for us. But not everyone is a part of the family of God. See, we are all offspring of God, created in his image, but according to Jesus, not everyone is a part of the family of God. Why? Because Jesus tells us he is the only way to enter into the family. He says it in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right, so it's this open table for all people, but it is one door to enter. His name is Jesus. So how do we enter this door? How do we come to the table? Well, it's through grace. It's grace. See, this is what people like Nietzsche struggle with. If you read some of his works, he, he struggled with this idea of faith. He uh, struggled with this idea of grace. He says, no, you have to earn it. You have to earn it. There can be no other way, but J John 1, 1 uh, 11 through 13 says this. He came down to his own, and his own people did not receive him but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. To become a son or daughter of God is to receive Jesus, to receive him. See, and it's pure grace because it's not through human effort or, or what we've done that, that makes us lovable, but he says, no, I'll take anybody but you just gotta receive me. See, it's only through Jesus that we can enter into the family of God. And so how does this apply to us today and, and wherever we're at right now, whether we're in the family, say, yes, I believe in Jesus, or even today where we say, okay, are there some things that I can take away even if I'm not a believer today, but I'm still working through that? Is there something that we can take away from today's talk? I, I believe that there is. See, because the, the, 
the relationships that we're talking about are very tricky waters to navigate. And I believe that through all of it, God can lead us further and further into his family. So our text today, Galatians 3, 23 through 29. Uh, as we study this, here's the question. As Grace City, what does it mean to be a part of the family of God? Let's just talk about that. What does it mean to be a part of the family of God? And so in this text, we're going to th- see three layers to the family. Three layers to the family. So this is the first one. It's I- the identity Second is the diversity, and third is the fulfillment. The identity, the diversity, the fulfillment. All right, so let's start with the first one, the identity. We're going to look at verses 24 through 27 here. Um, Here's what it says. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, what does this mean? The first, when we're talking about right now, when we're talking about the identity that we have, you enter through the door of God's grace. Here's what happens. You receive a new identity. A new identity. You are a new person. New creation, it talks about in Scripture. And here's the deal. All of us right now are either building our identity, trying to gain our identity, or we've received an identity. See, we're either trying, here's what it is. It's, do you, there's this word, justification. Justification, he uses it right here. Okay, so he says justified by faith. Justified, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Are you trying to justify your existence? To prove to people that you matter? Like, are you working, striving right now, saying, I matter, I matter, I matter? Are you working for it? Striving for it? Or, do you believe that God has given you identity that no one can take away? No person can take this identity away from you. Because what we're talking about here is the difference between self-justification and God's justification. That God says, no, 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 no. I've given you something that no one can take away. I've given you an identity that no one can take away. See, justification is a legal term. And why does the Apostle Paul use this term? Because earlier he talked about the law. He talked about the law. And what's, what's the law? The law of God. Right, so we're all accountable to this law because God, being God, says here's the standard. And he looks across the world and he says, who's living up to this standard and none of us have? That's why John Stott says this. He says, the purpose of the law was to lift the lid off man's respectability and disclose what he is underneath. Sinful, rebellious, guilty, under the judgment of God and helpless to save himself. See, what's the work of the law? The law was to show us that we weren't as good as we thought we were. He says to lift the lid off of man's respectability. And he says we have to start there. We have to start at that place to understand that in God's economy, self-justification does not work before a perfect judge. We can't come before God and talk our way out of it. And say, well, here's what I've done. Here's what I've earned. Here's who I really am. 
but we can only come to God and say, God, I have nothing to offer you and I need you to justify me. I need you to justify my existence because I don't know why I'm here. And so our entry point into the life of God, into a new identity is a perfect sacrifice. A perfect judge needs a perfect sacrifice. And who was that perfect sacrifice? Jesus. That's why we say like there's, there's only one entry point into the family because there was only one perfect sacrifice. And he says all you have to do is believe my son. See that's why even in verse 27 it says you've clothed yourself with Christ. You've clothed yourself with Christ. See I said this before but what this is it's, it's like it, if I were to put on my brother who is a marine his uniform and to put on all the medals that he's acquired. And what that does is that gains me access and entry into places I can't go. But here's the deal. I didn't earn it. I didn't do the work to get that. And so when you are clothed with Christ, he's basically wrapping you in his uniform with all of the badges and things that he earned. And he says, it's yours. I get to step into this now, not because I've earned it or deserved it, and really what it should build in us is this humility of our identity. Say, I didn't do anything to earn this, but yet I walk around as if I've done everything Jesus has done. See, it's you're clothed with Christ. And what are the benefits of being clothed with Christ? Well, in verse 26, he says, you are all sons of God through faith. Now, to fully understand this, we have to go back to the time of Jesus. Um, This word sons is not a discrimination of one gender over another, but an elevation of both genders. Let me explain. In his commentary on Galatians, Timothy Keller observes, many take offense at using the masculine word sons to refer to all Christians, male and female. Some would prefer to translate verse 26, you are all children of God, as the NIV 2011 does. But if we are too quick to correct the biblical language, we miss the revolutionary and radically egalitarian nature of what Paul is saying. In most ancient cultures, daughters could not inherit property. Therefore, son meant legal heir, which was a status forbidden to women. But the gospel tells us we are all sons of God in Christ. We are all heirs. Similarly, the Bible describes all Christians together, including men, as the bride of Christ. Revelation 21.2. God is even-handed in his gender-specific metaphors. Men are a part of his son's bride. The women are his, heir, or his sons, his heirs. If we don't let Paul call Christian women sons of God, we miss how radical and wonderful a claim this is. Do you understand what you've received in Christ? Do you understand the benefits of what he's given you? This is radical equality that has never been seen in this world. It's through Christ. See, as heirs, we have a new identity. Your fight for meaning ends in Jesus. And it's grace that opens the door to anyone and says, come in. And what it does is it creates a people that are so humbled by the gospel and they say, God, how could you love a wretch like me? In Jesus, we have a beautiful new identity in him. But the second part is is also just amazing and just really comes off the page. The second is the diversity, the diversity of this. Uh, Verse 28 says, 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Now Paul gets specific about the family of God. In verse 28, he highlights the astounding diversity found in God's church. In this verse, he breaks down the natural barriers in humanity. Cultural barriers, class barriers, gender barriers. Now this is important. As Christ breaks down all these barriers, you don't lose your distinct gender, race, role in this world, but you become more of who God created you to be. It's no longer the law that says, well, do this and don't do that, but it is God who says, no, I've called you to be this. This is how I made you. Step into the destiny that I have for your life. And the beauty of it is we are not all identical. We are all unique, bringing what God has given us to the table and saying, here. Now through Jesus, we're able to fully be ourselves. And what happens is it's, it's cultures coming together and complementing one another. It's classes coming together and complementing one another. It is genders coming together and complementing one another and saying, with love and grace, I'm here to serve. See, the beautiful part is Jesus is not dismissive of our ethnicity, of our gender, of our position in life. It's been a beautiful invitation to me because I didn't really know where I fit in. Right, like my, my dad is Caucasian, my mom is half Japanese, uh, half Hawaiian, and there wasn't really like a category for me. It's so, it's like, well, where do I fit in? I don't feel like I fit in in this place, or I don't feel like I fit in in this place. Like, where, where do I fit in? Jesus says, I made you exactly the way you are to uniquely be the person that I've called you to be. And there's words for it, like hapa and all that, that, that we use in, in Hawaiian. But Jesus is not dismissive of who I am. He's not dismissive of your gender or position in life. He created you the way he did for a purpose. And he wants to use whatever it is that he's created you to be to bless others. Don't be afraid to step out and be diverse and be the person he's created you to be. I love this. Laman Senna, he's a professor of missions and world Christianity at Yale Divinity School, and he wrote this book called Whose Christianity, or Whose Religion is Christianity? And um, what he talked about here is he said, you know, when, when missionaries from Europe tried to go to Africa, what they did was they tried to just convert them into what they were. They tried to make them like them. But then the African people saw Jesus. And here's what he said their response was. He says, Africans sensed in their heart that Jesus did not mock, or mock their respect for the sacred or their clamor for an invincible savior. So they beat their sacred drums for him until the sky, stars skipped and danced in the skies. Christianity helped Africans to become renewed Africans, not remade Europeans. That's the gospel, friends, is there's this beautiful diversity of the family of God that you become more and more of who you are meant to be. And what happens through that is we're all able to bring our beautiful giftings to the table and say, God, here's the church. Here's your church. Because of the gospel, there is now an ast astounding equality and distinctness so that we can truly complement one another in life and come together and say, this is, 
how God designed it to be. And the gospel brings out the brilliant diversity in the family of God. And lastly, we see the fulfillment. Okay, so the fulfillment of this is verse 29. And here's what it says. It says, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. What binds us together is Christ. And we are now a family. And what this is today, what we are experiencing as the church, is that God has fulfilled his promise. He's fulfilled his promise because what's it talk about here? It says, remember the promise to Abraham. Like, look back at Abraham. Abraham's offspring. What did God do with Abraham? Well, in the book of Genesis, God takes Abraham outside and says, look at the stars. Look at the stars. Do you see the multitudes of stars out there? He says, I'm going to create a family through you that's astounding like the stars are in the sky. That's his diverse and beautiful as the stars in the sky. That was the promise that Abraham received. And God has done it. He's done it. See, how did God do this? Well, what he's done is he takes natural enemies and makes them family. Natural enemies. In his book, Love in Hard Places, Don Carson suggests that ideally the church isn't composed of natural friends but rather natural enemies. Here's what he says. What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything of the sort. Christians come together because they have been saved by Jesus Christ and owe him a common allegiance. In the light of his this common allegiance in light of the facts that they have all been loved by Jesus Christ himself, they commit themselves to doing what he says. And he commands them to love one another. In this light, they are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. Here's the thing I know. The family of God is not a natural thing. It is a supernatural thing. God brings natural enemies together, makes them family, and says, okay, we're going to work through this. We're going to work on this together. We're going to love each other, and we're going to point each other to Jesus. And so this is a fulfillment of what God had promised long ago. And so how do we approach relationships in a gospel-centered way? I just want to give some quick takeaways as uh, I'm wrapping up here, because I think this could be really helpful for us as we digest all of this. Uh, the first one is this. It's this word honor. Honor. I believe this is a lost word in our culture, in our society, but it's actually a very biblical word that we see all through scripture. And this word honor means high respect, esteem. This is elevating another person. Now I just want to say this, um, and I'll put myself into this category too. Millennials, we are the worst at this. We are really bad at honoring. Let me ask you this. When was the last time that you wrote a thank you note, bought someone a cup of coffee or a meal, defended someone when they weren't there because it was the right thing to do? Honoring. Right now in our society, social media has just gotten so negative. We trash people. We drag people's names through the mud even if we don't have all the information, right? I mean, we've done that. 
And so we have to be very careful when it comes to this because this idea of honor is something that's biblical. You say, well, they don't deserve it. Why should I honor them? Here's what it is. Because honor is less about the other person's character and more about yours. It's more about your character. And remember, Jesus honored us when we dragged him through the mud. Did he not? Did Jesus not elevate us and lift us up as we looked at him and said, I don't need you in my life? Right, but we were wrong. And there will be people who are wrong. And you, you honor them despite that because of the gospel in your life. When you honor others, here's the deal. The gospel, even if they don't deserve it, we don't all, we don't deserve it, right? That's when you invite the Holy Spirit to do something that you can't do. And here's what might be possible, that the Holy Spirit could do a work in your heart because you've honored somebody that you don't think is honorable. Or even a person in the family of God, or whatever it is, right? Because here's the deal. When you're in the family of God, even if there's people that you don't agree with, we're gonna be with each other for eternity. Right? And so, like, let's look at, like, what it's going to look like to just honor one another now. Because maybe through that, honoring somebody, that that person could be changed. Their heart could be changed because of Jesus. Right? Like, here's the deal about relationships. You and I, like, you, we, we could take offense to a lot of different things in life. I remember one f- friend of mine, he, he looked at me, and, uh, he said, uh, you know, I was telling him like my struggle, like just like I was sharing with you guys, like my struggle of like, I don't know where I fit. And here, when I walk into these types of places, here's the kind of looks I get. And he did not understand me one bit. But here's the gift that I, I've, gotten to, I've gotten to live in places where I just kind of stick out sometimes. I've had the gift of that. I, I've had the gift of being able to be in those situations. And one of his, his comment back to me was super insensitive. He just basically said, well, uh, I always saw you as a white dude, so, you know, you should just kind of get over it. That was his comment to me. And as I wrestled with that and thought about that, you know what, like, I had to lean into my identity in Christ. And like, maybe I felt like dishonored in that moment, and there's gonna be times where you're gonna feel that too, but you need to keep stepping forward because it says that the righteous person is someone who can overlook an offense. Book of Proverbs, Right? And so just walking forward in this, knowing that this is just kind of part of life right now, but it's, it's, it's really not meant in the family of God. And, and you are called into a new life, a new identity, where you can honor people even though they don't honor you, even though they disrespect you. Second is this, serve. Serve. Here's the deal. Jesus has saved us into a family. How did he save us into a family? By serving. He served so that we could become a part of the family. Look at Matthew 20, 28. It says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There needs to be a shift in our heart about how we define life. Like, why are we here? If there's a shift that happens where we say, you know what, my life is not here. I'm not here to walk in and just expect everybody to serve me, but I am here to serve. I think there'll be a radical shift in just the way that we approach everything in life. Especially a family of God, right? And so like, you think about this, like when, when this happened for me in a real way, when 
my family went from two, me and my wife, to three. When my son came into the picture, because here's what I would do before. My wife would say, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? I'd say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I would just check it off the list. And I'd be like, great. I can check it off the list now and I should get some kind of encouragement because of that. Because look at me, I took out the trash today. Aren't I a good person? What happened was as this third member came into our family, I didn't get the encouragement that I would have expected as I had to change his diaper, as I had to do things that I would just naturally not want to do. And what happened was in my life and in my heart, the the checklist went out the window. And it got to this point where I'm like, I gotta do what I gotta do. And I gotta get this done. And I'm not waiting for praise any longer. That's what happens in the heart of the Christian when you start to say, you know what, my life is not about me being served, but saying, okay, Jesus, how do I serve other people? How do I go out into the world and not make this a checklist, but do this because of your glory, what you've done in my life? I just wanna say this, as a church, our staff, we are not the staff that's gonna be hanging out in a green room somewhere. Uh, we're, we're just not the, that church. We are a church that serves, and so, Every person that you see up on the website, every, you see me, I am here to serve you, okay? I'm here to help, I'm here to serve. We are here to serve as a community of leaders. This isn't like, oh wow, look at the pastor up there and all the other people, you know? No, I'm down here. And I will lower myself to serve you in any way that you need. That's why God has called me here. We are here to serve. That's what this is about. That's what we signed up for. And if you sign up in the life of a Christian, you're here, and you're saying, Lord, use me however you want. It's that Isaiah response, isn't it? Like, Lord, here I am, send me. That's being part of the family. And sometimes in the family, you gotta do the dishes. You don't wanna do the dishes. I hate doing the dishes, but I gotta do the dishes. You gotta do it, right? So that's, that's just part of being a part of the family, serving. S- thirdly is this, forgive. Forgive. Guys, we can hold on to grudges all day, but here's what Jesus, uh, or he, I, I love the, the idea from scripture, Galatians 6, one through three, um, and this is the teachings of Jesus, but this is Apostle Paul, and I, this is what the message version says. I think this is really great. It says this, live creatively, friends, If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. If we think we're above this, we are badly deceived, friends. It's about us coming together and saying, okay, God, like how do we do this? Because We forgive much because we've been forgiven much. How do we do that? The Holy Spirit. You can't do it within yourself. I can't do it within myself. I need God to forgive somebody truly, genuinely, in this type of way. What he talks about in Galatians 5 is that you need the Holy Spirit. You can't do it in the flesh. You can't do it within your own strength. You need God's strength to come in and say, God, I need your power to help me to navigate this and to forgive because deep down I don't want to. 
It's okay to admit those types of things to God because there's some terrible things that some of you have experienced. You say, well, how could I ever forgive that type of person? How could I ever forgive that person? You can't, but God can through you. It's God in you, not me trying to muster up enough forgiveness to forgive somebody else. He will teach you the way. And then the fourth is this, listen. Listen, listen, listen. I mean, we've heard the, the cheesy thing like, well, you know, God gave you two ears and so you should probably listen more than you speak. He only gave you one mouth. You know, we've heard that. But it's true. And what this is, is, is listening and, and being sensitive to others, to other people's cultures, to people, other people's experience, other people's beliefs. When learning to understand and hear someone who is different from you, there will be a lot of, I'm sorry, and I was insensitive. There will be a lot of that. Like, hey, I, I really didn't know what you were going through at that time in life. I, I really didn't hear you because I was only viewing you through what I've been through. Because isn't that what we do? We usually just see it through the lens of what we've been through. And we're like, well, well, you should do this, this, and this, and here's what happened to me. Like, no, it's totally different. Totally different scenario. So like, listen, hear, be sensitive to what other people are going through. And how do you do this? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help you to do this. And the Holy Spirit will help you to repent. Like, man, I was really insensitive to that person, but maybe they didn't even see it. And you were like, man, I, I need to, Lord, help me to change. Help me to be more open. Help me to be more understanding of what they're going through. Because I'm just not doing that right now. And here's just a tip. Again, just expect insensitivity at times as people are learning but don't give up right don't give up continue to listen and love here's the beauty of being a part of the family of God that God says when you're in you're in you know one of the questions that my son would ask like when he would do something bad it's like he said this before he said dad are you going to kick me out of the family I said son no I'm not going to kick you out of the family because when you're in the family, you're in the family. How much better of a dad is God than me? Right? We're like, well, God gave up on me. He, he couldn't forgive me of this. Like, he already did 2,000 years ago on the cross. And he said it was completely paid for. So now, because of that, we can fess up and say, you know what? I can repent. I can say I'm sorry. I can forgive. I can do those things. Not on my strength, but on God's strength. Not on what I can do, but what he can do. And you'll have those moments where you think, man, how do I do it? It's him. So here's just a challenge. Lastly, because of Jesus, are you a part of God's family? Right, like, have you received Jesus? What's holding you back? Today, you say, well, I don't know if I've ever done that before. Talk to somebody about it. Talk to somebody about what it means to receive the gospel into your life, to receive Jesus as your savior. Talk to somebody. Don't leave today without making that decision. You say, well, I've never obeyed Jesus in baptism. Just like Amanda said earlier, like jump in, right? This isn't about what other people think. It's about what God thinks. I love it because even today, like I got a message and 
uh, it, was, it was this week from Danielle. And Danielle's been coming to Grace City for a, a, a few months now. And she said, you know, baptism coming up February 12th. She's like, you know, that's, that's great. She's like, what if we did it this Sunday? What if we did it this Sunday? Like, yeah, let's do it this Sunday. Let's go for it. So now Danielle is gonna be baptized by her friend Nicole. And I think that's just an amazing thing of what it looks like to be a part of the family of God. So praise God for how he's working. That's what I'm talking about, the, the type of obedience that says, all right, there's water, let's go. Let's do it. That's, that's who we are as Grace City. That's the family right here. Say, okay, God, that's what you want us to do? Let's do it. We're going. We're going in. Next question is, are you part of the Grace City family? Here's some different things that you can jump into. First, just like Amanda said, the city groups are great. Jump in. Explore. We have a newcomer social that's coming at the end of February. As you listen more and more into this series, you say, man, I want to be a part of this church family. Come to the Newcomer Social. It's for you. We want to serve you. We want you to come and, and, and hear what, what this is about and learn. Um, jump into a serve team. There are plenty of serve teams that are here. You're like, well, I don't know how to start. Where to, like, talk to somebody at Connections. Jump in. Again, we do this together. And, and, and just say, okay, how can I give? How can I give all of myself and just say I'm invested in this work that God is doing here? And, and here's my last one. Are you pouring into someone? Are you pouring into someone? Because here's the deal. This, this verse from 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 3, Paul is talking to a young Timothy who is a man who, who's, who's been radically changed by Jesus and now he's been called into uh, pastor of this church. And here's what Paul says to Timothy. He says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. Here's what he's talking about here. He's describing a family. Here's the deal. Jesus says it. He says, who are my mother? Who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? Who are, who are they? those who follow God, the family of God. And you know what? There are some of you who are mothers in Christ, and I'm asking you to take on some of the younger ladies here in our church. To say, I'm here. I'm ready to serve. I, I want to invest in you. I want to invest in your life. I want to invest in your walk with Jesus. Some of older men here. I, I think of my friend Dale, who's, who's taken me out to lunch multiple times. and says, I want to invest in you. I want to help you. He's like, I don't know what I have to offer, but I just want to help you. I love that. That, that. That's huge to me. Hugely beneficial. Look around you right now. I just want you to take a look. Look around. Here's the thing about Grace City Church. We are not just like somebody said, well, aren't you just a church of young people? No. <laughs> we got all types of people because that's what the family of God looks like. And we got all multicultural uh, people here because this is the family of God. That's what it looks like. We need everybody. We need the family of God to be the family of God. And so what I'm asking is that as you look around and you start to say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? How can I serve? It could start as simply as saying, hey, would you want to go out to coffee with me? 
I know we don't know each other, but I want to help you and I want to guide you and I want to just invest. There are students right now that are being invested in. This generation matters to God. Those kids that are learning the gospel, they matter. Matter to God. It's a part of the family. This is what we do. This is what we do. I think of Timothy, and you think of who Paul says were the people that invested in his life. And he talks about Timothy's grandmother and his mother. These were women in his life who invested in him. In him. A young man. They said, I'm going to raise you up in Jesus. And what that makes me think of is my grandmother, Grace Sharoma, 89 years old, still a part of her prayer group at Kaneohe Congregational Church. Been praying this, this church into existence from the start. It's been praying for me since I was born. And I remember walking in one day into her room, seeing her on her knees next to her bed, praying. I said, Grandma, what are you doing? She said, I'm praying for you. I want you to know Jesus. We need the family of God to come together. We need to play our part and our role in the family of God. And when you say, okay, why is that possible? Because Jesus created the family because he knew we needed it. We need it. And you can be a part of this family. Just enter through Jesus. Enter through him. It's an open invitation today. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for how you make us family in Christ. I pray, Lord, that you give us wisdom beyond ourselves, that you help us to see Jesus in new ways and relevant ways that push us towards becoming more like him. God, we want to be like Jesus. We want this church to be formed and made in your, in your design, not ours. We want you to save all people from all races, from all ages, Lord. We want to see this city transformed because of your grace. And so, Lord, thank you. Thank you for making us family in Christ. Thank you that you've taken something that's not natural and, and made it possible through the supernatural. God, we want to be a part of that type of church. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.